Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Holy Gospel, the first chapter of St. Matthew, these words, And Joseph arose from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Introducing the sermon text last Sunday, you'll recall that I made reference to the famous A Christmas Carol written by the 19th century literary master Charles Dickens at a time when he was challenged in his life by strong doubts about his future. Doubts similar indeed to those that we then saw were entertained briefly by John the Baptist in our text last week as sitting in prison. Remember, he sent word to Jesus saying, Are you the Christ, or should we be expecting another? Interestingly, A Christmas Carol isn't the only masterpiece that Dickens wrote that begins on Christmas Eve and addresses important issues in life with which most of us would be able to identify. Another Dickens masterpiece does as well. Perhaps some of you have read it. It's entitled Great Expectations. The story of Pip, an orphan boy, adopted by a blacksmith family who has good fortune and great expectations. Then he loses both fortune and his great expectations are dashed. And yet through his rise and his fall, he discovers real happiness. He learns the meaning of friendship. He learns the meaning of selfless love. And of course, his life in the end is better for it. Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. The reason that Dickens' Great Expectations eventually became one of the most popular of his works is because his basic message, like that of A Christmas Carol, strikes a chord within us all, doesn't it? How often it happens, and undoubtedly in your experience as well, how often it has happened that you have had great expectations for yourself or for someone else, or for some situation or circumstance in life, great expectations only to have them dashed to pieces, dashed to pieces by your own sins or by the sins of others or by the circumstances of the sinful world in which we live, but great expectations that we have dashed to pieces. Talk about shattered expectations. Joseph, in our text for today, was a man who entertained great expectations undoubtedly and then had them shattered. Here's a man who most assuredly experienced the crushing blow of dreams shattered, even of promises that were broken. Months before, he had, remember, committed himself in marriage to Mary, and she, before God and family, had committed herself to him in a legally binding relationship, even though they weren't cohabitating yet. They were nevertheless joined together legally. He had committed himself to her and she to him in that legal ceremony described in this way by a biblical scholar. Listen to this. He says, Betrothal among the Jews was and is a solemn affair. It denoted the satisfactory completion of negotiations between two families, and it assumed the consent of the young couple concerned with respect to the financial arrangements for their marriage made for them and on their behalf by their respective parents. Contrary to modern Western customs, with their betrothal, their legal relationship to each other became already that of a married couple, with all 
of the consequences entailed, save that they were not yet living together under the same roof and would not be doing so for an agreed-upon period until the time of the home-taking ceremony. In the case of a virgin, he says that was often a year or more. So Mary and Joseph had been betrothed to each other, but it would be a year or more before the home-taking ceremony, before they would cohabit with one another. The vows of betrothal had been made. All that remained was for time to pass. And during that time, undoubtedly, both were becoming more and more anxious. And then on the designated day, finally, that expectation would be met. And the home-taking, as it was called, would occur. And Joseph, all dressed in celebratory garments, accompanied by jubilant family, by joyous friends, would process down the streets of Nazareth and finally go to Mary's house, escort her back to her new home, where together they would dream of things to be and of things that they would do together to make their expectations become reality. But then suddenly, suddenly and seemingly out of nowhere it all appears to be shattered in one horrific event. One humiliating blow for Joseph, the young woman to whom he has linked so many of his hopes, and whom he has made so many great expectations, is found to be with child. And the child isn't his. Who better than Joseph would know? What do you do about that? What began as such a promise suddenly ends so abruptly, so cruelly, so bitterly. Because after all, love lost hurts badly enough, but love betrayed hurts so much more. How did Joseph discover that Mary was with child? We really don't know how he did. Joseph surely doesn't tell us himself, because Joseph, you see, is a very quiet, silent man. Indeed, not a word of Joseph. Think about that in Scripture. Not a single word of Joseph is ever recorded. As important as a figure as he may be, not a single word of Joseph is ever recorded in Scripture. He's what we might call a saint of silence. But St. Matthew tells us that Joseph finds out and he apparently finds out sometime before most of the others in Nazareth do. Did Mary speak to him directly or privately about it? Some scholars believe that she may have spoken to him directly. Other scholars say, no, that couldn't have happened because back then those who were betrothed, not really cohabitating yet, couldn't really communicate freely with one another. They had to do it through another called a pro-nube, one who was selected to be a communicator between those who were betrothed. Whatever and however, Joseph did find out that Mary was with child, and if he was told either by Mary directly or indirectly by the pronube that the child in her womb was the result of the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit, even as the angel had told her, it appears that Joseph simply didn't believe what Mary had to say. And so scripture says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, a good man, 
didn't want to expose her to any kind of public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her privately, quietly. There were two ways to do it, privately or publicly. Publicly was a way that brought about great shame, obviously, for the woman being divorced. He didn't believe Mary, though. He didn't believe her story. Don't be too hard on him, would you? How often does it happen that virgins give birth? What are the odds? One in how many billion? Never in the history of mankind had it happened. Never would it happen again. It's a one-time event because of the uniqueness of that one time in history when God becomes man. That had never happened before, and it would never happen again. And so it's marked by a birth that had never happened before, and that would never happen again, a virgin birth. But at first, Joseph wouldn't believe it. The good man, but it just goes to show that as good as a man might be, it doesn't mean that because you're a good man that you're going to believe everything that you should believe. Joseph, you see, judged the situation at hand as any good man would with logical thinking on the basis of facts that were presented to him, facts which he then filtered through the sieve of his own human reason and concluded, no, this just isn't so. All that human reason can conclude was that virgin births don't happen. And so it couldn't be, as Mary had said. So he has but two options. The harsher one, as I mentioned, legally charge her with adultery before a public court, which would then make her into a public example to be shamed and to be shunned and possibly even to be stoned, according to the laws of the Old Testament. Or he could simply, quote, put her away privately. No public charge before a public court. Simply a private letter of divorcement without formally stating any cause. Joseph, being the kind of man that he was, chose the latter. But before being able to put it into effect, something else dramatically happens. His mind is changed. In nearly an instant of time, his mind is irrevocably changed and altered. What he couldn't believe because of the ordinary word of an ordinary person, even of Mary, his betrothed, he does now come to believe because of the extraordinary word of God that was brought to him by an extraordinary revelation of an extraordinary angel. But it took God to do the work. Joseph wouldn't believe on his own. He couldn't believe on his own any more than you and I would. He believes only because God reveals it to him, because God comes to him. Remember what our Lord Jesus would later tell Peter when Peter boldly confessed Christ before men? said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Well, the same could have been said of Joseph, who believed only because God, through an angel, had revealed it to him and enabled him to believe and then ultimately to confess what he did. Joseph believed. Not because he was a good logical man, who was able to put all of the pieces together in some logical way, 
as a good man who undoubtedly knew, as we heard today the Old Testament lesson, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, but no, that can't happen to me. It took the work of the Holy Spirit to change his disbelief into belief. Fear not, Joseph, thou son of David, the angel said, to take Mary as thy wife, for that which conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amazing, isn't it? It's miraculous indeed, the great expectations which Joseph had for his life with Mary. Think about the expectations that he must have had. Whatever those expectations with Joseph had for his life with Mary, whatever they may have been, they paled in comparison to now what was going to happen for Joseph in his life with Mary. You can be sure that no matter what his expectations were for his life with Mary, they didn't include being the foster father of God incarnate, of God on earth. No matter how great his expectations for his career as a carpenter, you can be sure they didn't include teaching God to use a hammer and a plane. The recent birth of a, a grandson to my, my daughter and to her, my son-in-law, who was a carpenter and a contractor, reminded me of how my wife Barbara put it in the Christmas musical that she had written years ago. A modern father, a carpenter, is sitting on a stool. There's a spotlight on him. He's holding his firstborn son in his arms. And this is what he says and sings. What would it be like to have Jesus for a son? Would I see the glory there shine on everyone? What would it be like to teach him wood and stone? What would it be like for me with Jesus in my home? Think about it for Joseph. What were Joseph's expectations? Whatever they may have been before the angelic visitation and revelation to him, you can be sure it didn't include having the Son of God in his home, raising him as his own son. However great they may have been, you can be sure they didn't include teaching the one who with a simple word had made the whole universe and everything in it now to do carpenter's things and to build things with a hammer and plane. God's plans for Joseph far exceeded the greatest expectations that Joseph have ever had. And you can be sure that Joseph never thought that he'd be naming a child of his, what he was told he was to name the child, had it been the son of his own flesh and blood, had it been his biological son, it wouldn't have been Jesus he named him, it would have been either Jacob, the name of his father, or Joseph, his own name. But no, the angel said, you shall call him Jesus. Why? Because it comes from Hebrew, Yahshua, which means God saves. And that's there what God was doing. God was there to save his people from their sins. You see, no matter what great expectations Joseph may have had for the sons that his wife would bear him, you can be sure that none of them came close to being what Jesus would be. And doing what Jesus would do, he shall save his people from their sins. Foster father Joseph undoubtedly taught Jesus to work with hammers and nails and wood. But only his father above, the father of whom his divine nature is eternally begotten, could place his only begotten son upon a cross to become the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, for your sins and for mine, for those of all people. And that, you can be sure, exceeded 
Joseph's greatest expectations of what anyone living in his home would ever do. And you know something? Joseph didn't even see, live to see his foster son there upon a cross. He didn't live to see that very probably. And in that way, Joseph was very much like us. He didn't live to see the cross event. Had he, you can be sure that he would have been there with Mary at the foot of the cross. But he wasn't there, very probably because he had died sometime much, much earlier. But you can be sure that when he was with Jesus in his home, that he had heard all that Jesus had said concerning his divine task and his divine destiny, as was foretold by the prophets. And Joseph believed him. And very probably Joseph died with Mary and with Jesus at his side, knowing that his greatest expectations of what would be would only be exceeded by Jesus in death, even as they had been in life. And so it is for us, dear friends, Jesus here with us, as with Joseph, preparing us for that place that he has prepared for us. It's happening still. And as he does, we still sit still, listening in faith like silent Joseph did. And the Lord Jesus still speaks to us through his word. As you hear it, even he spoke to Joseph through the word that he heard. And we call him Lord, as Joseph did, and the Son of God, Son of David, as Joseph did. And he responds to us, and he gives us, as he gave to Joseph, far more abundantly than all that we can ever ask or think. And like Joseph, we too, dear friends, have been many times right here at table with him. His very body and blood presence is real to us here as it was for Joseph there. That by his grace, we like Joseph of old may in due time have much, much more than I here hath seen and ear here hath heard. And hath here ever entered into the minds of men those things that God has prepared for those who love him. All of those things which, because of Jesus, far exceed even our greatest expectations. Be prepared in your heart to celebrate Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.